All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode two of the Identical Draw podcast. Um, today, we're joined with um, Tom and Brian. They are our Chicago guys that joined us for the antelope hunt. So we're going to talk with them about that hunt, how they found out um, about the Identical Draw new hunter program, all that sort of thing. Um, go over Brian's uh, successful stock and then uh, all of Tom's failures. <laughs> and then, uh, Nate, you want to add some things about Vortex? Yeah. Um, Vortex Optics is the sponsor of this podcast. Um, they are just a fabulous company. We love working with them. On this hunt especially, we we kind of devised a plan of we left a pair of their new Diamondback HD 15 by 56s on the just on the dash. And because we were, we were driving around looking for antelopes, antelope so often and just pulling over getting glass on fast that was our truck class and then we each had the uh vipers on our chest when we went to go um actually hunt and i i love that glass especially for when you're glassing miles of open country for the antelope it's money so thank you vortex um go check them out all right this is gonna be an awesome podcast everybody thanks for listening All right, here we are. We're with Tom and Brian. Guys, how, how's it going? Going great. Going real well. Sweet. Um, so we're going to talk about the antelope hunt that we had in South Dakota. Um, and kind of, you guys are on a whitetail hunt though right now, right? We are. We're in uh, Michigan at my family farm. I was lucky enough to marry into a farming family. And so it's the youth hunt here in Michigan. So we're here with our boys looking for some whitetail. Sweet. And what, uh, what's the status so far? Any, any luck, any deer down? Still looking. Still looking. Okay. Yeah. You, not, not quite the same amount We've of luck you had. Deer. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Brian's, uh, first stalking out is not, you know, pulling through with the sun right now. Gotcha. We'll that. <laughs> so that whole like guiding service idea we had, that's basically out. Brian's luck is gone. Exactly. Well, we'll, we'll see when I can start hunting in October, I'll keep you guys posted <laughs> on my second hunt. Yep. That sounds Sweet. good. I'll be looking forward to that update. Okay. So we're just going to just dive into the gravy of this whole thing. Um, I want to know why you guys had a sparked interest in hunting and then why you thought it'd be a good idea, how you've heard about the whole mentor idea that we came up with and then why you thought it'd be a good idea to reach out. So what, what sparked the whole interest to possibly want to pick up a bow? Honestly, it was very much what we're doing this weekend. Uh, our two sons are 16. Uh, a couple of years ago, they got into for an interest in hunting. We bought them bows, and then we ended up taking them uh, over here to the youth hunt. And Brian and I literally are sitting in the blinds with them and having no clue really what's going on. And watching them, we're like, this is pretty dang fun. So we uh, ended up going out, buying both ourselves, the building targets, and, and trying to, to learn what we were doing, um, which led us to a, just uh, a, a ton of open-ended questions as you start jumping in and you're, you're listening to podcasts and you're listening to you know YouTube um, videos and just trying to figure it all out. Um, which led us to Instagram and that kind of stuff. And I, I believe I was the first one to see that new hunter acquisition or 
uh, venture you guys were putting out there. And I think I saw it on First Flight's uh, site or on X, I'm not sure which one. Uh, but one of those I saw, and I, I called up Brian immediately. I'm like, dude, did you see this? This would be awesome to do. So, um, yeah, so we, we made a video. My, my story is a little different. So I, I, uh, I, I've always loved the outdoors. I was a biology major in college. And instead of playing baseball, I'd stand in the outfield and look at the bugs. Just, just an interest for oh, anything yeah. outdoors. Grew up fishing. And uh, kind of time I got into fly fishing at the same time, but I went I went whole hog into that and started tying flies and making my own rods and the whole nine yards there. And thought this will be really fun growing up with my son, loving the same thing I do. And uh, he started to gravitate more to hunting. He just he would watch his uncle go out hunting here at the farm and watch his his cousin who is about ten years older than him go out hunting, and he just thought that sounded fun. And so he'd go out with his uncle Gary and, uh, then I just, I had the interest to start doing that with him as well. So started getting into it and the, the bow hunting was always more of an interest than the gun hunting to me. Um, just, I, I, it's kind of like the fly fishing thing. It's, it's a little more intimate with what you're going after. Got to get a little closer. So, um, yeah, like Tom said, we just started, started shooting a lot. I started shooting a, a borrowed bow for my brother-in-law. And then actually after um, you said that, that we won the antelope hunt here, I, I went out and purchased a bow and started shooting that just to have something. His bow is about 20 years old. Um, so purchased a bow and started shooting that just to have something of my own. But that's kind of how we ended up where we were. Cool. Sweet. Um, what, what were some of the things you were hoping to get out of like having a mentor, just like a baseline of knowledge or what, what were you hoping to, like, if you won the hunt with us, what were some things that you were really hoping to learn? A lot of it was the knowledge, just mm-hmm. the experience. Um, I do have kind of a, a whitetail resource here in my brother-in-law, but he really hasn't done a whole lot of out West hunting. He's done a little bit. Um, but a lot of it was just having an interest to go hunt out West and do that and stock type thing, whether for antelope or for mule deer or, you know, up and down the mountains for elk, hopefully in the future with our sons. Um, just, just wanted to see how that worked and get that knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, I, I think for me, it was just very similar. Uh, wanting to get out with you guys. I had reached out as we were trying to figure this out. Uh, how do you hunt? You know, how, how do you do this outside of what you can pick up on the internet? Uh, and I had reached out to, you know, there's that mentorship program in QDMA, uh, tried to get in touch with those guys. And just because of COVID, it just kind of broke down. Um, yeah, I'd reached out one, one time, even, uh, I think I told you guys, I'd reached out to Mark Kenyon, mm-hmm. uh, one time just to see if I, you know, Hey, I'm going to be over in the area. I'll take you to dinner. I would just like to pick your uh, brain, you know, kind of thing. So, I mean, I was going to any place we could to get knowledge. Yep. And to get experience and talk to people who knew what they were doing more than what I could just read in a magazine or online. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, and honestly, connecting with you guys and just just the personal part of, of learning from what you guys know was awesome beyond our wildest expectations. Mm-hmm. So, so thanks again. It was truly incredible. Good, good. So July 15th, we go live. We announced that you guys are coming on the antelope hunt. 
what were the initial thoughts? Because I know you guys were a little hesitant towards the whole antelope thing. So what were your what were your hesitancies, and then what did you later get excited about for the hunt? I think so. Hesitancy when Brian and I talked about this, we're like, all right, we, we got you know four different hunts that could be possible, and elk hunt, and we thought, you know what, elk would be so sweet to do, but that is just overwhelming the physical aspect of it. Uh, so we're like, no, we don't want to do the elk hunt. We kind of were hoping kind of like, oh, let's do the mule deer hunt. Cause that will be maybe a little bit closer to what we would see with the, uh, whitetail hunting that we get to do at the farm. <laughs> and, uh, then, um, yeah, when, when we got announced for the antelope hunt, we were like totally excited, but like, oh my gosh, like this is overwhelming. I don't even know how this will translate into hunting for us at any point in time. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of like, all right, that was probably the, the hunt that we didn't want um, the most. But then after we were able to get to like July 17th or so, Brian and I were talking, we're like, we got the winter hunt. We, we got the hunt that actually everybody, like we we're going to get so many more stocks. We we're going to get so much more time to actually experience hunting and learn. Like we looked at it as like, if we did an elk hunt, maybe we'll get one or two stocks. But, you know, at Tom kind of alluded to earlier, you know, I got to do a lot of stocks because I didn't kill anything like Brian. (laughs) Now, I am wondering if that had anything to do with his guide, Mm. that Nate might have guided him, and I had Tom kind of focused on me. So, I'm the new guy. You're supposed to get me there, Tom. Yeah, (laughs) so so that's all the time we have today for the podcast. Thanks, guys. Uh, Um, and, and I got to apologize here for Tommy. He's throwing the shade out. Just he's, he's a little hurt inside. Yep. Definitely. Don't so, blame him there. Man. Tough. Cool. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was awesome because that was, we were intimidated by it, but we got super excited because we learned, I, I think we learned more through the hunt that we didn't think we wanted to have as much. I think we learned more than probably any other hunt we would have been on. So that, gotcha. that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So what was, what was the biggest hurdle that you guys felt about, like before you even had this mentorship opportunity, what was the biggest hurdle for you guys being able to get out there? Was it, was it that knowledge that you needed or was it actually forking out the time, getting the gear? What was the biggest thing that you guys were trying to figure out? I'll I'll say for us, it was more the knowledge, Mm -hmm. um, how to, you know, looking at public land out West, how, how does that work? Access, accessing public land, um, with a spot and stock type hunt, how to approach that. And of course with antelope, everything's kind of ramped up just in terms of their, their eyesight is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, not knowing where to go, how to go about it. And even really how to find good, reputable, knowledge you can i mean you look on the internet and you find all sorts of things but you read you know five different websites and they each say five slightly different things and and Mm -hmm. what do you believe what do you not believe Mm -hmm. definitely all right so i think we should dive into this hunt you go about it Mm -hmm. all right so so we arrive to south dakota you guys had like a super long drive. Thomas and I were in the car for maybe nine hours. Not too bad, but we get there and, um, you guys arrive, hang out, introduce ourselves. It's all good. It's like, these guys are, these guys are decent. We'll be able to hang out for a week. Um, 
the first thing we did was basically go to camp, set camp up, found a nice camp. Thanks to our buddy, Jared. He put us right in the money, had some trees, which out in South Dakota are hard to, hard to come by. And then we went out on a hunt. So what, what were you guys' first things? Like you, you have your camo on, like your bow is actually like going to be used. Like what were some of those thoughts? Like you're actually taking this thing afield. We, before we went, honestly doubted if we'd ever let an arrow go. Mm. Not knowing if we'd ever get close enough for it. But at the same time, my heart was racing. I was super excited. I felt like a kid on Christmas morning. Um, I was ready to go and kind of explore what was what. But in the back of my mind, I was doubting that I would ever get close enough with mm-hmm. spot and stalk and thought maybe, um, you know, like the last day of the hunt, we'd end up sitting a blind over water or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we can say the, the place in South Dakota we were hunting was just dry, flat. I mean, we were seeing quite a few antelope, but not as many as what our buddy Jared, who's hunted there for his entire life, thought we'd see. So we were having to put a little more time on our truck wheels. Basically, we were just driving around, checking out different pieces of walk-in hunting. Um, and so finally, it's, it's go time. We were driving down this road that ended up being basically our home base for the week. Look over to the left. There's some goats there hanging out by some hay bales. And we all, it was like our first, like, oh, there's, there's antelope right here. Like, what are we going to do? Like, who's going with what? And we, it was just kind of a scramble there for a little bit. Um, but eventually we come down to me and Brian will go after these. And then you guys will go try to find a different group of Jared. And Jared kept driving down that road mm-hmm. and he says, Oh, there's another group just further down. Mm-hmm. So it was, quick that me and tom also got out of the truck and followed mm-hmm. suit after some mm-hmm. goats so the initial group that we we saw by the hay bales ran off of course as antelope do and so me and brian basically started just walking in that direction knowing they ran that way there could be more we'll see what happens um chime in whenever you guys want whenever you have something to say but this is basically how i remember it going we brian we we quickly got pretty covered up in antelope like there's, there's some, there are a few moments there where we're like, there's one over there. There's like five over there. There's three over there. And we were trying to make a decision of which ones, there's no way we were going to be able to stock one of them without different groups seeing us. So we basically had the idea of which group is the best op- opportunity for us to go after and try to hide behind. And maybe these further off groups might bust and that's okay because we're going after this sole group. You remember that? It was kind of like, uh, what are we going to do here? We have like not very much cover. Right. Yeah. We had, we had a group off to our left as we were at the hay bale. Mm-hmm. And then there was that cut sorghum field in front of us mm-hmm. and, um, kind of decided to go with the ones that were in that sorghum field. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just kind of was behind you a little bit as we're scooping along the ground there, staying low. Mm-hmm. And then you spotted, uh, some some horns from yep. a bedded buck, which is yep. really nice. Yep that that's the that was the whole surprising thing about this. We we were going after a group further into the field, just trying to get into a better position. And sure enough, we were just lucky enough to have a fence row with like a slight just a slight ditch and some like taller grass along the fence line. And we weren't we were looking at the ones further off, and I happened to just peek my head up a little bit and like pretty close within a hundred yards are more antelope and happen to see a buck bedded. And so that, those kind of things, I mean, we found out later in the week, you need, you need something like that to line up. 
You need a little bit of variety in the ground. You need something that you can hide behind because a lot of the places when you're looking at an antelope to stock, you're like, I can't even get within 300 yards of that thing because it's so flat. So that was right away when I saw those there, I was two thumbs up. I was like, okay, we might, I mean, we're already within a hundred yards, which is usually the hardest part of an antelope hunt. This might, we might have a chance. Right. And then we, uh, we kind of worked along that fence for a while. So it was kind of nice because when we were, when we were outside the field behind the fence, as long as we stayed low, he couldn't see us. There was just enough wind and it was blowing at us, but that provided a little sound cover for us as well. Mm -hmm. And we were able to sneak down. And then there was a very fortunate, like you said, kind of larger tuft of grass right at the fence row, Mm -hmm. right at the fence. We got right up to the fence. We could kind of hide behind that grass and, um, and then you asked initially, do you, should we go through the fence? And I'm thinking, man, I, I think we'll get busted for sure. And so we were waiting there a little bit. And then I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot going through the fence. So luckily right where that tall grass was, there was, I don't know if it was missing a, missing a barbed wire um, or if it was just a little bigger, but it was mm-hmm. really easy to kind of to crawl through the fence between the barbed wire. And uh, I was able to then sneak up with a dirt patch. And I kept, I was kind of flat on my belly, kind of trying to sneak up to the thing because we were about 58 yards behind the fence. And as I slid along, the the dried sorghum leaves were really loud. So I kept kind of one by one picking those Mm -hmm. sorghum leaves out of the way. And then I'd push my bow forward and then I'd creep forward. And then I'd I'd move the sorghum leaves. So I was trying to not crinkle too much. And I went along the ground and there was a dirt patch I saw in front of me that was a little divot. Um, I don't think the sorghum grew there because it must have held just a little bit of water at the right time. So I was able to sneak to that little dirt patch and uh, ranged him. And being the new hunter, you asked, like, what was it like when we got out of the truck, too? I was flustered enough where um, I forgot my range finder. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have it attached to me, so I was kind of laughing, like, I don't have a range finder. So you handed me yours, which was really nice. But uh, I ranged him at 50. And been thinking, you know, if, if I really knew what I was doing, I probably would have been patient and wait for that buck to stand up. But uh, I was there what seemed like an eternity, probably was like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to go to my knees, like, I'll give this thing a shot. And so I, I kind of came up to my knees and drew. And I didn't think he would stay bedded because I had looked, I was going to try to shoot him maybe when he was down, if, if I could, but he was facing me body-wise. So I really didn't have a good shot. And with the sword, I really couldn't see his body well. And I popped up, and he was so surprised. Um, I did jump him, but he, he did a little button hook around and ended up no more than 10 yards further away from where he was. So mm-hmm. he was no more than 60 yards, and he looked back like, what was that? Yep. And the broadside and look back at me. Well, I thought through the whole process. I'm like, well, I, I don't know exactly how far he is. And I wasn't planning on shooting over 50. Um, but it, it's a good shot. I don't know if I'll get another chance. I'm literally all these thoughts are rolling through my head. And I thought, you know, I've been practicing. Um, you like, you know, we, we joked about beginner's luck, but I would like to say that really there is no such thing as luck. Luck is just when preparation mm-hmm. meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay. But all the shooting, we've been shooting out to 60 and 70 yards a little bit. And I thought, I, I think I can make this shot. 
And uh, if I shot again, I don't know if I'd shoot quite as well as I did, <laughs> but uh, the adrenaline and everything apparently did help me a little bit because I put that shot right on that right on that shoulder, and it was right through both lungs. And he didn't go more than than thirty forty yards and drop. Mm-hmm. I I had no idea where the arrow went, and they I turned back to you to ask. I was like, "Did you see the arrow?" Like I didn't even realize that I had hit him because mm-hmm. I, I I shot the arrow and I lost it in the background, and you had just said, look, 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 look. And sure enough, I looked back and he was starting to stumble and was down and mm-hmm. just a rush of emotion. It mm-hmm. was, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I would be quite that excited. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this preparation, all of this, this dreaming and thinking what this would be like and kind of guessing in my head, it was better than I could have imagined. It was just really neat to be able to put a stock on and and to get that thing mm-hmm. so it was great and it, so far it's tasted delicious good yeah there's thinking back on that stock there's so many things you need in a stock for it to go right the first thing was just the placement of the animal being bedded being able to get eyes on this group of antelope with a nice buck in it before they got eyes on us being able to have a little contour and a fence line to be able to pop up and get eyes on them multiple times within a hundred yards and be able to set that up. Um, and then I just think, man, it's 50 50, whether that antelope is just going to bust and just run a mile away, or if he's going to trot eight to 10 yards away and stare at you like that right there. I mean, alone is a miracle because I mean, with how many spot and stocks we did later in the week, we know that I mean, some antelope would just bust out of the country and some would just stare. And we just, we were lucky enough that we had that antelope just trot off a few yards and stare back at you. And then the final thing, of course, with any archery success is you have to make a perfect shot. And, and I don't, the fact that you, with your first ever arrow flung at a wild animal was possibly a 55 to 60 yard shot on one of the toughest archery animals in the United States, if not the toughest and just a a perfect shot that those are the things that every single one of those things needs to line up. And they did Jared, who was with us is like, basically yeah, the stars aligned, everything was perfect. And that's what happened. I mean, just, I love when those things all come together, there's very few things in my lifetime that I've ever been able to come close to that in the hunting field because it's just, it's disbelief. Like, like I understand sports and like game winners and stuff like that. Those are crazy. But like just the amount of things that are so difficult for this antelope hunt for a successful antelope hunt and stock and shot to come together. Just like th- there's so much disbelief and just the excitement after that shot was just, I love those moments in the field. Those things just, it, you, they just stay in inside of you forever. Oh yeah. It was incredible. And if I, I didn't enjoy it so much, I might retire from archery hunting right now. And mm-hmm. I would be the only one who retired with a 100% arrow fired to animal down uh, percentage. So. Yeah. That'd be pretty good odds there. That, yeah, that was an amazing hunt. I'd say, um, talking about these first couple, um, new hunter hunts we had with these guys in South Dakota, our Nebraska mule deer guys, which was after that. And our elk hunt that's coming up, um, Everybody has decent experience with their archery equipment, um, which is a, which was a huge selection thing as far as, um, what, what we were thinking, selecting these people, because we knew if we just tossed a brand new hunter, like some of our whitetail hunters, uh, in the next couple, couple months, 
um, there would just be too much frustration. So having guys like Brian and Tom that were shooting um, were familiar with archery equipment, but just had never hunted. That was basically mm-hmm. a huge, huge piece of why we chose you guys. And obviously, I mean, it paid off in a big way. And I think that's, I'm, I'm sure you guys would say the same, any new hunter that wants to have, have a decent first season, like you're going to eliminate so many problems if you're comfortable with your archery equipment, I'd say, and just shooting as often as possible. Yeah, no, I, I think that's just the thing. Like, you know, we've been shooting. I think I got my bow back in October of last year. Uh, it still hasn't drawn blood like, you know, my, my friend here, but <laughs> we, uh, we, we have still, uh, we were out today after the boys were on and, and continue to shoot a target. And, and at that point it's, it's fun just to shoot. I mean, it really is. I, I love shooting it, but I'm hopeful that one time I'm going to actually get to kill something. Oh yeah. Here. It'll happen. So, yeah. The, the shooting, I will, I will say it was nice on the antelope hunt. I was, I was questioning the range, but we had shot so much. I mean, we're, we're shooting. We, we shot every arrows every single day, just about for the past three, four months. Yeah. And then even pretty consistently before then. So, just those repetitions to get the muscle memory down was so huge. And then be able to focus on the kind of the spot and stalk and thinking your wind and all the other stuff that's going on in your head when you're hunting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So to give our listeners some context, these guys arrived in the town we were staying near around noontime, Mm -hmm. 11 noon. And we had the antelope down what time, like three, 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 four, we had, we shot, we shot bows in camp. We had a little powwow about, Hey, antelope hunting. This is what is like, we're never going to, it's going to be impossible to kill one. And then a couple hours later we mm-hmm. killed the first one, mm-hmm. which was insane. And then we just, we, uh, finished setting up camp and did that the rest of the night. Um, so right after the kill, I, we went to go get our packs. I called you and I love those. I love those first calls to the buddies of just like Brian, Brian just, just double long to antelope at 60 and Tom's just like, just the disbelief in him. Like, no, you're joking. No, no. I'm like, he's literally dead. I can, I'm looking at the antelope dead in the field right now. And I mean, it was just great for you guys to come and just have a whole community cleaning process. But, but what was the best part about that whole thing is Tom and I and uh, are up at the cars and Jared from Mule Deer Foundation, he's up in his car, but, this is kind of work also for him. Oh, so yeah. He's on a conference call <laughs> yeah. and he's, he's on this conference call going and all of a sudden Tom's like, he got him. He got him. He, he got the uh, antelope down. And we walk over to Darren or to Jared and Tom's like, antelope down. And Jared just like, no way. Not, not, not any way that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. He's like on the conference call. He's like, I got to go. There's an antelope down. Click. Yeah. Often going, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it, it was. It was just great to. I, after those moments, it just cleaning that animal. I just like what. Am, what are we doing right now? Like we're skinning an animal already. It's like we've been doing this for like a handful of hours. It's just like it doesn't stop. Just like keep coming in your mind of like this happened. There's an there's an antelope down. Like first stock ever. This is nuts. But. Yeah, I loved. I love. I was so happy that we were able to get hands on an antelope because I think that's a big question for new hunters, like with the whole skinning and processing thing like that. So I was, I was happy we were all able to, to do that and get our knives, buddy. 
Yeah, you're welcome, Tommy, that I was able to put one down so you could also learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> what a nice thing so, you did for it. Actually, what, so coming from a fishing background, you know, we've done a lot of times where you, you know, catch fish and you eat it, fish on shore lunch or something like that. This was the first time I've ever had literally like, all right, we just cleaned the, uh, the animal. And within an hour you know, and a half, we're back at camp. Uh, you guys pull out the trigger and season this thing up. And we had fresh antelope backstrap, which was about, you know, I'm going to say the best meat I've ever had. Uh, you know, and I don't know if it was just the whole ambiance that we are out in the wild in South Dakota and we have fresh meat, but it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I know some people, they say antelope is sagey tasting or it's not there. It was, it was outstanding meat. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, I think you guys, you guys helped us take care of that thing correctly. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. I mean, it's all about, especially with how hot it was that day. I mean, we were in the nineties easily that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just time. Just we we're like, once animals down, get that, get that skin and hair off, and just get it on ice. And that's what we did. We just hustled as much as possible, and that's what's what you got to do. I mean, I, I always love when you're able to harvest an animal and the whole field to table thing that those meals I just feel like are different. Like making just, just regular burger with something, which is regular beef. Like I, I'd be okay if I don't eat my entire burger, throw a little bit of it out. There's not a chance that I'd ever throw a piece of my wild game out because it's like, I hauled that out of the field. Like this is a, this was a living animal that we went after that whole connection. Just so different. Whenever we'd, even when we were younger with our dad, we'd always, Whenever we'd kill a turkey, we'd have a family meal and tell the whole story. And it was just always this thing of just respect. But it's also, you just feel different consuming this animal that you were able to get your hands on, which I love. Yes, I, I actually, knowing um, that we'd be buying some, some whitetail tags for Michigan this year, I purchased a freezer right when COVID started. Apparently, there was a run on freezers because I ordered it in March. I just got it like a month ago. Um but in the hopes of filling that with some wild game just for the winter next year and to make, uh, uh, make it through the summer. So it's been, been great. Had a couple meals already with the antelope, made a beautiful roast uh, a couple weeks ago or last week. That was just outstanding. A nice blade mm-hmm. roast in the front oh, shoulder. Yeah. It loved it. So yeah, all the kids loved it. It was dope. great. That's awesome to hear. Um, all right. So do you guys want to cover some more of the, the week? I mean, that was the big highlight right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, I'm good just skipping Tom. I mean, if you want to just no, <laughs> no, yeah, we definitely need to. We no, had some no, amazing no, no, stocks. No, no. The highlight of the week. Let's face it, Tom and I bonded. We had so much fun stalking while you guys <laughs> sat at the truck. Didn't have a whole lot to do. We got to get out there and make some amazing stocks. I learned. Oh yeah. I mean, I I really did. Uh, you know what? Whether it was the most painful, which I never expected. Never thought my body would hurt as much as it did um, coming out of this thing. So that that was an eye opener. But uh, we had a blast. I, I mean, yeah. going off and being able to get out there and just learning what you needed to do and and having ideas of like, oh, don't do that. That's, that's stupid. You, you, you messed up. <laughs> but uh, you know, we, we learned from that. I think. We had that really away or so. I don't know. Probably it was only a hundred yards, but it seemed a lot farther. But, um, 
that was fun. We were going after those ones in the back of that field. Yeah. And, um, Tom got me, uh, within, we saw a buck and I kind of really wanted to get after that buck and we stalked up and there was that doe that was like 30 in between us. Yep. And, uh, you know, Tom, you look at him and you're like, do you want to shoot the doe? And, and quite honestly, I was like, I was like, no, let's, let's go for the buck. And, and part of me was thinking like, well, Brian killed one on his first stop. We're in the morning. <laughs> this isn't as hard as everybody yeah. else. <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> so, you know, we backed out, went for the buck and got busted by the doe. And, uh, you know, I still figured I had three days to try to get something done. But, uh, you know, the car just didn't line up. We didn't get within, I think 80 was the next closest we were able to get. But, uh, we honestly almost pulled it off that time. Like it was close. If that, if we, if that doe had just been bedded a little differently, we would have been able to get to that bale and then been, I don't know, 40, 50 yards from that nice buck, but close opportunity. It was, but again, there's a, you know, I love my, my kids were always, you know, they're, they're, I think my kids were probably the biggest fans. Like, come on, Dad, you can do it. You can do it. And they're like, do you, uh, do you regret not, not shooting the doe? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't regret not shooting the doe. Um, I kind of felt like, it, you know, it was early in the hunt. We had other opportunities and uh, we're figuring we'd get some. But I think it's uh, one of those things if I was shot the doe, then I would have been like, well, I stalked and, you know, got a buck later on. And, it, you know, so you're always questioning those things. Yeah. But, uh, you know. It was great for Brian to leave with his tag full and me to, uh, you know, still not find his tag, but keep on telling my wife that it goes through, uh, this fall. So I, I can still go back. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, I mean, we had that stock. We had, I'd say two, maybe two or three stocks a day that we were getting on. Um, we had another, I mean, we really worked that area. Um, we had another stock. I don't know if it was a day or two later, but we did basically a big mile and a half loop. And we thought we were getting really close to these antelope as soon as we were like, it was like, okay, like there's a conversation, like as soon as we get above this hill, like they should be like 50, 60 after arranging them from a distance and all those things. And classic antelope, like we get up there and it's almost like they know like your invisible presence is there and they've just already shifted like, like 40, 50 yards more in the field. And it was just, I don't know how many hours, Tom, we were, you just kept like working on the belly. I mean, after a while, I was like, is this old guy going to keel over? Like, yeah. I don't, I'm, I don't, CPR, it's been a, little, a couple of years, but, <laughs> no, um, right. you, you were so close to closing it in. Like, I mean, how close did you end up getting to that younger buck? Do you remember? I got within 80 of them and, yeah. and I kind of came and again, that's what you learn. Like I got to a point where I didn't think I had enough because it was real small stage grass that we were kind of hunkering down through and, um, you know, Tom kept on telling me, he's like, he's like, if you can get up to the fence line, I think we're going to have a go at this thing. And we got to the fence line and they're pushed off. They're like, well, if you get to that clump of stage, you should have a, a shot at it. And it just kept on going. I kept on working it. And those dang antelope, like you said, it felt like every time they'd bump out to 120 to 140. So, and then I'd try yeah. to close it a little bit more. And I do remember sitting there after I'd probably crawling on my stomach for 45 minutes or so, thinking to myself, like, this has got to be the most boring video that anybody <laughs> would ever want to shoot, you know, kind of thing. But got within 80 and then they got busted. You know, I, I tried to get across a, a small little space and I 
kind of almost like the day before. If I got to the hay bill, if I got to that clump of stage, I figured I was going to be at around 60 to it. And I might've been able to make it happen, but didn't happen. Got busted. On that stock, your best opportunity was busted by two. This happened, I think once or twice, but two young uh, mule deer fawns that you didn't even see. Cause you had your in stock mode was yeah. good head down, but they, they popped up. And I mean, I think you would have been within 60 there, but that bumped the group out to 120 or something. Those mule deer, they they just bed and they're hitting so much more than those antelope that are usually in the middle of a field or something. I think they busted us once or twice. They're always like in between us and the antelope. That, that, that was one thing that I think made it tougher was you weren't worried about busting the antelope you were hunting. You were worried about busting other antelope and other deer and all these other things because it wasn't like you were stalking one goat you're stalking like a group of them you're stalking a bunch of eyes like brian after you filled your tag i had a tag and i remember we went up to that the big the big backfield um with the tip from the the farmer he's like they're all hanging out by the dam go check it out and we went up there and there's i mean there were a ton of goats just a ton of antelopes and antelope in that field and we it was basically one of those situations where there's so many antelope but we can't move anywhere because there's so many eyes that we would just be bust out this whole field. So sometimes you just gotta, we, we, I mean, we, we hunted them for an hour and a half, two hours. But then after that, we were like, there's nothing we can do. Let's back out of here game plan. And we ended up trying to go after them, um, in the morning when it was dark because we needed basically the cover of darkness to get close. But that, that was one thing that was definitely tough. I mean, you've got flat terrain, but you also have a bunch of eyes that you're trying to avoid. I mean, you're, 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 you're seeing some from the road, but then you're like, how many more are back there? You just don't know. Right. Yeah. The, the groups were definitely way harder to approach. Um, cause it was, even though I wasn't on a stock after my tag was filled or I wasn't stalking it, it still was kind of neat to, to follow behind you, uh, trying to film you. I don't know if any of that footage is any good oh, yeah. at all. We'll be using it, but, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to see some of it on there, Yeah, <laughs> but, um, following you on just learning yeah how difficult it was and watching you try to approach and we haven't heard actually the full final story because we had to leave Mm -hmm. Uh, you and i nate found those you know 7500 goats i don't know how many were back there but way too many for us to approach in that Mm -hmm. open field Mm -hmm. and uh, in daylight and we went back the following morning and probably were just a little bit too late it was just a little too much sunlight Sun hadn't come up yet, but just that, that pre-dawn ambient light that was around, we all kind of had to hunker down and then we couldn't move again or for, for fear of spooking all of them. Um, but you went back the following morning after we had to leave and mm. you got a doe down, but we haven't heard that story yet. Yeah. So basically was it, was it Sunday morning that we, yep. Yep. so Saturday morning we tried the let's go in the dark thing and Honestly, it worked until it, gave, it became too light. Like I could definitely see how that would work out if you went there a little earlier. Um, but we were probably like 20, 30 minutes behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the rest of that Saturday, we hunted hard, a few more stocks didn't work out. And so you guys had to leave because you had a long, how many hours? 16, 18? Yeah, about 15, yeah, yeah. right around 15, 16 hour drive back. And we... We had most of the morning before we had to head and pick up our next group of new hunters in, in Rapid City. And so we were like, let's, go, let's just go give it one more shot. I mean, we're here. Let's just go. Let's just go try something. Um, so we had some pack or camp packed up and we were like, we went out there into a field and we went, we went a different spot. Um, we went to where Jared went the, the morning before because he's like, yeah, if you get up to some of these bales, 
um, you'll be good to go. But we didn't know that the farmer had moved all the bales around. So Thomas and I were trying to figure out where he was talking, but that, that was totally gone. He's like, if you go to the first row of bales, the furthest one back, but all those were, they're just in rows now. So we are like, okay, this is different. So we just set up in a spot that we thought would be good. And the morning started off the same. We were like, a lot of, lot of antelope, nothing we can do about it. Like there was a group at 200, 250 behind us. There were several groups at three, four, 500 yards. And we were like, okay, let's just, it's getting a little later. Let's just go make a play on this group. If something happens, great. If not, it'll just be time to head back and pack up camp. And uh, as I'm doing that, Thomas just gets my attention like down, down, down. There's like, there's a doe right here. And I just look to my right and this doe is just, just jogging in right towards us. And I'm like, okay, this might, this is, this might happen. Um, just pure luck. And so I get down, knock an arrow. She stops and looks at us and I'm like, it was perfect. Cause like we weren't silhouetted. Our mm-hmm. background was on bales. So mm-hmm. she, she knew something was there, but she was curious enough to hang around for a mm-hmm. while. And so she, she was completely facing straight towards us. And I was like, Tom, get a range on her. He's like 60. I'm like, okay, roll my sight down to 60. Cause I got to th- no, I already had it rolled down. I was good to go. And, uh, she's staring straight out. I'm like, I'm not going to take a frontal on this though. She turns sideways, basically broadside was able to draw back and put one right on her heart shot. She went down and like 20, like 30, 40 yards, maybe tumbled over and was just dead right there in the field. And it was just one, another one of those things. Like this is why I love hunting just out of the blue. Like, I thought we thought basically the hunt was over. Let's go, let's go tear down camp. And then this doe just runs into 60 yards and we've got meat down. So we, I was so thrilled. I was like, I don't care if it's a doe or a buck. I'm just, we got meat in the freezer and we ended up getting a lot. Yeah. We were meat off or we were, we were surprised. Mm -hmm. I mean, like a night, just like a nice white tailed doe. Mm -hmm. That's basically, basically, yeah. What it seemed like for size wise. So yeah, I was able to fill the tag last Brian, you started off with the first stock and I shot mine on the last. So worked out. Nice. Mm-hmm. And and the time. Yeah, once again they didn't get anything. But next well, time well, next yeah. time they will. Yeah. And Allison, as I'm listening to all this play out, my my whole theory that Tom, you know, didn't put me on when he just put his brother on one. So yeah. I suck. <laughs> yeah. Right away. Um, you know, it's to, to your point, Nate, real quick, it it is with I will say with, with the antelope, it does seem like a numbers game. It's mm-hmm. so hard when you're spot and stalking them to have I was fortunate enough to have that, that buck bedded in the right location and there weren't too many eyes around. Mm-hmm. You were fortunate enough to have that doe jogging in, mm-hmm. which I, I think, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of experience with this, obviously, but it, it adds to some of the fun you can plan. I know in, in, in the research I've done whitetail hunting, you, I mean, both Tom and I bought some trail cameras and we're kind of studying things and, and where could the, the deer be bedded and where should we go at this time of day? And you do all this planning and try to find patterns. And with the antelope, they're out there, they're looking for, for predators. They're looking for you. And you're trying to put yourself in a spot where you can get within range and you could be the most skilled person in the world. But if the antelope is in kind of an untouchable spot, they're kind of in an untouchable spot. You can't get to them. Mm-hmm. Yep unless you have something fortunate happen, which is, which is kind of fun about it in a sense. Like when it starts to happen, you're like, Oh my, like this is going to happen. This is actually happening right Mm -hmm. now. Yep. But, but also even to like, you're saying like at the last minute, like you're, you're going to play on a group somewhere else. And all of a sudden you notice here comes an antelope 
coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's what, like, this weekend, as we're here with our boys on the youth hunt, which kind of sets us to the point of saying, hey, why do we apply, you know, for this mentorship was so we could hopefully mentor our own sons. Mm-hmm. And over the, you know, past two days as we've been hunting, you know, there's times it's been slow and it's like, you know, we'll send, send text messages back and forth between people and we're like, just relax. This thing could turn around in a second. Mm-hmm. Like it, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that's, that's kind of encouraging. Like last night we stayed late, you know, waiting until it was, you know, almost 30 after, you know, yeah, sun went down. Yep. and, uh, literally I was, Parker was in a tree stand. I kind of backed off a little ways away and, um, put him up there so he could have some time. And I just wanted to get back out of it. And, uh, I was sitting back up on a tree and literally probably five minutes before we packed up, a, a big doe busted out of the corn, literally walked 20 yards in front of me, you know, but that's, that's kind of thing. Like you're like, son, this is, you know, don't give up just yet because mm-hmm. you just don't know when this thing could turn around for you. That That's, that's so. a big thing with, with especially new hunters, like making sure they know that's hunting it'll just change in an instant. And that's why people get addicted to it because it's just this, like you can never plan, like you can have a plan, but that plan, I mean, it's a wild animal. You have no, you have no idea what that thing's going to do and just how things can change in an instant is just great. So this last two days when you guys have been whitetail hunting, have you, um, like realized you've used things from the hunt with us that you learned or, or like, how's that been as far as like you, and being out with your kids. Yeah, we, we've, uh, I, it's been great because obviously, you know, we were fortunate to get the Yonex, uh, membership. So we've been using that. Uh, you guys showed us how to use a lot of those, uh, features on that. So we've been using that, uh, scouting and then even using it when we're looking at, okay, where's the wind coming from tonight? Where's it going to be tomorrow morning? Where, what properties or what areas that we have access to? Fortunately, we have a lot of access to, to, family here and look and say, Hey, where, where should we hunt here? Where, where would be a good thing? And try to be, you know, as put ourselves in the best opportunity to actually, you know, see a deer or kill a deer. And, uh, right. and, and think of the approach too, of how do we get into, if we're going to, if we're going to hunt a stand, what is the best approach to get into that? Given the wind, given the topography, um, with ground hunting, same thing, but just a lot of the same things that apply to a spot and stalk, you're kind of spot and stalking your way to your location to hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what best way to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will say though, we are, uh, we are already planning a, a mule deer hunt for next fall with our boys. Nice. Uh, for, for some of the things, just how, like, I, I like the whitetail. It's fun. It's, it's, it's cool. And I'm still learning a ton. But there's something about, like Brian said, you kind of plan where you're going to go, but kind of you get to the point and you, you kind of camp out. This this is where I've chosen to hunt, and it's not like I'm moving after that. I'm not going to get down and mm-hmm. bottom stock after that goes. But um, I like the activeness of a Western hunt. I like being able to sit there and be like, even though I can't see stuff, you guys know that so well. <laughs> I like to feel like Thomas, uh, you know, tell me, hey, there's, there's an animal <laughs> over there, and then you'll have to get it. So, yep. But I like that approach, and I, I know our boys would just really get into that. Right. And, and they both see animals better than we do. Mm, so. There you go. 
Great. They can spot them and we'll try to stalk them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a relief after uh, hunting with you, Tom. I had uh, I hunted with Josh and uh, for the mule deer. And he was seeing things. I was like, how? Like, I'm so used to a hunting partner that is like, can't see past 50 yards. But no. Um. Guys, I'm telling you, I looked at like, like, okay, call me a stalker. I looked like, I'm like, oh, here's Josh and here's Dylan. You know, I went over to their Instagram page and here's Josh. That guy has to be like the most nimble guy. He has these pictures on his Instagram of him doing like, I don't even know, like one armed handstand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what is, I'm like, holy cow, like, that's not the fifty-year-old guy that they just spent yeah. the week with. <laughs> That's funny. Oh no, you guys, you guys were the perfect first group of hunters we wanted. I mean, great guys. You were just up for the challenge, which, I mean, it was a challenge. Like, I understand people can be like, I mean, you killed on your first stock, yeah, but it was a tough week of getting sunburnt and being in the heat and getting dirty every single stock just getting after it. And I mean, that, that wears on you big time. Like, I know you guys are saying your bodies were hurting. Ours was war too. I mean, and it's like, it just, it's, it's never easy when it works together. So, I mean, you guys were great. I mean, we hope that you just were able to consume all that, the information that we were hopefully giving you guys in these hunts and stuff like that, because we big thing was we wanted you guys to be able to go back to Illinois and be like, and feel good about getting out in the woods and having things translate home. So I'm glad to hear that, some of those things have translated and we should, we should know. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this hunt justice if we didn't mention the weather that we were having. Mm. Um, like I said, hot days, but Tom mentioned that we did some bonding. Oh, (laughs) we nearly died. Um, because these guys, Jared was probably pulling over looking at antelope when the lightning was coming, but it was actually me and me and Jared were on, we're on a stock and Brian was with us as well. Yeah, but this crazy thunderstorm, hail clouds, this whole thing. Um, me and Tom were borderline about to crawl underneath our trucks. It was kind of at that point. And we had two trucks with us, but our uh, genius buddies uh, locked them up. So we were basically uh, homeless at that point. Um, but, hey. Sorry, we're, we're from the city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Um, and then, like, we had, we, we uh, hail was coming. We... Um, parked our cars under a gas station overhang. There's tornado warning, like 30 miles, 20, 30 miles away. And then the first night when you guys hadn't arrived yet, we got woken up at like two 30 AM, um, to nasty winds, rain and hail coming. And so we packed up camp with Jared hauled butt in our trucks, like 20, 30 miles South to get below the storm. But, and then when we were leaving, I mean, it was gusting at least 40 mm-hmm. mile an hour. So it was just the, the wind and the weather was kind of nuts over those couple five days we had, but. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the funny part is like, we didn't have a ton. Of, we owned our bows, but like I said, when we were fortunate that first flight, you know, helped us out and we got a bunch of sweet clothes and had that. We didn't have a ton of gear, but the only gear that Brian and I had really well, is we, we've always done backcountry fishing trips. So we had nice tents. Mm-hmm. But for some reason on this, you know, hunt, we decided to bring a two full 10 by 10 tent so we could put our camp cots in it since mm-hmm. we were going to be hunting out of a, a truck. And why would you not bring this much room as you could? We needed our old man comfy bed. Yep. And yeah, the, those, those storms at night wreak havoc on that little two full tent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we decided to pull up. We were going to leave Sunday morning and we ended up leaving a little after midnight because the wind howling across the reservoir there, it was like blowing our tent to half of its size. 
in between <laughs> just the whipping of the of the nylon tent. We're like, we're not sleeping. Let's just get up and go. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go. Yeah. So. so cool. But, well, well, I mean, someone in the area and they're they're looking the cowboy bar. Mm, oh yeah, really a great place to uh, to visit on uh, on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. Oh man. Um. Well, are there any other thoughts to wrap it up? I don't know. I mean, we could talk all day about all these stocks and things we learned. Um. I mean, me and Nate tried to go over like all sorts of scenarios with you guys, and I think there was. I'm sure, and I hope you guys learned quite a bit from it. Um, it's exciting that you guys are planning a mule deer hunt. Um, definitely, you should definitely hit us up. We can help you out with anything there. Um, but I mean, it was a blast having you guys. I mean, it gave a, it gave me and Nate so much motivation having a group like you, you guys, um, just to get this thing started. We've got now we've got, um, let's see, like 13 more, 13 more hunters to go this year. Um, and I mean, we're, we're just super motivated. Um, I mean, we're so happy we decided to take this on, um, as well with like hunting our can Sadie, it's going to be just, it's the best fall yet already. So mm-hmm. what do you guys have any other, any other things you want to add? Any, any like big overhead takeaways from the hunt, things that really helped you guys out, um, or final thoughts. I'll, I'll just say it's, it's a big thing from guys like you that have hunted a lot to allow us to tap into your knowledge, to, to give this opportunity is huge. That is so awesome. Um, because you guys were the ones that just reached out to any new hunter. And so that, that is a huge thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at it, there's a tendency to even talk to, you know, sometimes you talk to hunters and they're like, yeah, where, where do you go? Or like, I got a, a secret property, you know, and, and they'll, they'll give you a little, but not always a lot. Uh, I, I am blown away that you guys have done what you did. Uh, we really feel just completely blessed that, I mean, you guys have given up opportunities to hunt for yourself this fall. And that, uh, that is not normal. That is not typical. And from a couple old guys, we really appreciate that. And, uh, we really could not say, you know, thank you enough to, to, to you guys for what you've done. And then even, you know, even like a Jared, you know, for coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to give sponsor. him yeah a huge shout out. Cause he, he helped us so much. There are so many private conversations me and Nate were having talking about how terrible Tom stocks, but how amazing <laughs> Jared, how much help he was. I mean, no, but I mean, he, he got us out of pinches. I mean, he knew back roads. He just knew the whole thing. He gave us so many tips on antelope hunting. Cause I mean, it should be noted that it was me and Nate's like first, like legit, like antelope focused hunt. We've had antelope tags in our pocket before, but never really focused our attention there. So, I mean, he was just a huge help, especially, I mean, we were, when you were driving down out of that storm the first mm-hmm. night, we were like, we'd have no clue where to go, mm-hmm. but especially with no service. And he was, I mean, he was such a help. He was entertainment in camp. Um, so and huge he, thanks to Jared. He is an antelope freak. Probably the, died. He loves antelope more than anything. He loves antelope. And I just, I love to see that because I'm like antelope. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good. But he like, he like made me jacked up about it. He's like, that's a giant buck. Like that is a giant antelope buck, and I'm doing, like, I think he's doing his family hunt this weekend. Isn't yeah, he? I think yeah. so. We'll hopefully hear from him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just yeah, yeah he was a huge wealth of knowledge and just just good time. So great. Uh, so so again, thank you guys for that. It's, yeah, uh, we, we can uh, be more grateful. 
And on a, a side note, uh, I have talked to my business partner, and uh, we have a opportunity to go pitch uh, on Henry's Fork up at their place. Heck yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. You guys can teach us how to fly fish, and we can round this episode out. Yeah. There yeah. you go. That'll be, that'll be good. We'll look at setting that up coming up here. Yeah. Cool, guys. Well, hey, keep us updated on the whole whitetail ventures this fall. I'm going to be really excited to hear about that. So, yeah, but I guess okay. we, we contact you a few hours later tonight with one of our sons getting something done. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we really appreciate you guys taking this time for this podcast. Um, it's going to be up soon this week. So mm-hmm. yeah. And Hey, all of this for you guys and for everybody that's listening, listening, we filmed all of this. This will be coming into an episode on the identical draw YouTube real soon we're going on this elk hunt in two days but we're going to be editing during the days and hopefully get this baby up live as soon as possible we wanted to record this podcast because we want to put some of these bits in the episode so that episode is going to be awesome too so stay tuned it's gonna be awesome thanks for joining guys all right good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.